Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. I'm Michelle Bowler. I'm an army wife of over eight years, a mom of four little girls, and a huge believer that being a supportive military or first responder loved one is way easier when you connect with the community. In addition to sharing some of my own insights and journey, I have set out to interview Waiting Warriors around the world so we can all learn together from their triumphs and their struggles. Together, we can do so much more than just survive. We can thrive. And that is what being a waiting warrior is all about. Hey, Waiting Warriors, welcome to another week on the Waiting Warriors podcast for this special Memorial Day episode with Gold Star Mother Debbie Lee. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I am so excited to have you. Austin and I have been fans of America's Mighty Warrior for a while, and I'm excited to share you with all the waiting warriors. Um, Debbie is a gold star mother, like I said, whose son was the first Navy SEAL killed in, um, I'm reading like OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom. I almost said the, like just the acronym. <laughs> I try really hard oh, yeah. to you guys oh, yeah. <laughs> to like not just do acronyms. Right. Because that's kind of the worst when you're in a conversation and they say- Someone doesn't know what it is, yeah. Yeah, so Operation Iraqi Freedom, um, and she's the founder of America's Mighty Warriors, which is a wonderful program that we'll talk about later. Um, so go ahead and grab some tissues, but don't, don't leave if you're like, oh, but I don't want to cry. This, like, this story is amazing, and it's more than just a sad, a sad story, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, Debbie, if you would just kind of take us back to before Operation Iraqi Freedom, and maybe like your son joining the military, what that felt like for you. Sure. Um, I was a single mom most of my kids' lives. Um, their father was very abusive and uh, tried to kill me. So at the age of 23, I went through a divorce, had a three-year-old, an 18-month-old. And because of the violence, the day that I filed for the divorce, it was final. And I found out two weeks later that um, I was pregnant with Mark. And they thought it was twins. So here, I'm a single mom with little tiny kids. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And now I think I'm going to have instead two kids, four kids. And they heard two heartbeats all the time. And I always told people, now that they knew Mark, you know why they thought there was two heartbeats. Because he was just very active, um, always pushing the envelope on the edge. You know, not a bad kid, but just mm -hmm. had tons of energy. And um, obviously this was, uh, Mark would have been 43. So quite a few years ago, they didn't do ultrasounds like they used to do when you got pregnant and, you know, right away they did an ultrasound. So two weeks before he was born, uh, they did ultrasound to make sure both the baby's heads were down and found it was just one. Um, they never found any other, you know, tissue or told me that, uh, you know, the other twin had died. Mm -hmm. And, um, but Mark definitely was what we needed at that time. He was literally a bundle of joy from the time he was little teeny tiny. I can remember him, you know, making sounds and noises. And, you know, I always said Disney didn't need to hire all the people they do for their sound effects. Mark could have made every single one of them. 
And um, his humor was just unbelievable. Even the guy said when, it, you know, they were out in combat and, you know, at appropriate times, or sometimes they said a few inappropriate times, <laughs> he would make these hilarious jokes and just keep everybody laughing, you know, and lighthearted trying to, you know, lift them up. But um, he came home his freshman year and let me know that he was going to be a professional soccer player. And as a single mom, I told my kids often, you know, you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you determine that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I kind of was like, uh, Mark, you do know you've never played soccer in your life. Oh. <laughs> we grew up pretty poor. There wasn't, they didn't do, like, my grandkids are involved in, you know, club mm -hmm. football or soccer. That, that just wasn't part of it. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to discourage them a little, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> how do I do that when I've told my kids all their lives that if you put your mind to it, you could do it. And in fact, he was trying out for the Colorado Rapids. He was the oh, wow. soccer coach for the high school. He got most improved player, obviously, that freshman year because he had no skill. <laughs> to, you know, learning some of those, that's a pretty big improvement. But um, that just shows who Mark was, his determination, his perseverance, that never give up attitude. Uh, as in the high school, he would be on Saturdays for eight hours down there practicing, you know, we had a machine that would shoot balls at him and he'd be out there by himself, heading the ball, kicking the ball, drilling the ball, just working, working, working on his skills. And the termination of that kid was um, pretty amazing. He was my my baby and I haven't told him that. And he's like, mom, I'm not a baby. And I'm like, I'm not saying you're a baby. Yes. You're my baby. Yeah, you are always, baby. I don't care if you're, you know, at the time I'd say, I don't care if you're 80. Um, he will always be my baby and um, very proud of that young man, very proud of who he was, the choice he made, uh, you know, his final actions to give his life. And uh, my oldest son served in the Marines. My son-in-law served in the Army. Mark served in the Navy. And so on 9-11, all three of my kids' lives were involved in the military. And I could see the handwriting on the wall. I knew that we were going to go to combat. I knew that I probably would have loved ones that would be serving you know, in the combat zone. I never in a million years imagined that I would, you know, lose one in combat. But, um, boy, I'll tell you what, August 2nd, 2006 was a day that forever changed my life when we were notified that Mark had been killed in action. And as a parent, you can imagine that is the most devastating news that you could ever receive. Yeah. And we began to, once they knew that I had been notified, we began to get phone calls from Mark's teammates and began to piece together the heroic actions of what he'd done that day. And I am the first Gold Star mom in history to visit the combat zone. I've been to Iraq twice. Mm -hmm. I went out on patrol with the first to the fourth cab three different times in the door neighborhoods. Um, I had body armor on. I wasn't carrying a weapon. They wouldn't let me have one. Um, I would have carried one if they would let me have one. But um, nothing was happening, you know, when we were there. I wasn't being fired on. There weren't any, you know, there were distant explosions, but nothing happening right where we were. Not that it's something couldn't have happened, but there wasn't anything, you know, happening right there where we were. And, but I've had a glimpse into what it looks like over there in Iraq. And so now I have a pretty good idea of the lay of the land. I got to visit Camp Mark Lee that was named after Mark. And, um, you may remember back in 2006 in Ramadi, that's where the majority of our casualties were coming from. Mm -hmm. Mark's teammates said that was the hellhole of Iraq or the worst piece of real estate over there. 
And as they began to tell me the story and, you know, as in the beginning stages of grief, your brain doesn't retain it. So lots of times they had to repeat it over and over. But, you know, in the weeks that followed, I began to develop the picture and understand that it was 115 to 120 degrees that day in Ramadi, Iraq. Uh, I live in Arizona. Sometimes we see 115, 120. I guarantee you, we're not going to have our full kit on and our body yeah. armor out, firing weapons, running in the, you're in your swimming pool or you're in your air-conditioned house. And um, they had been fighting a tense firefight for two hours. If you saw the movie American Sniper, Mark's mm -hmm. the third main character portrayed in that movie. Um, Tay and Chris are the two main ones, then Mark's the next main character. He was the one that was killed in combat in the movie. And in that funeral scene, that's supposed to be me reading part of his last letter home. They show the scene where Ryan Job's on the rooftop and the shrapnel hits his weapon. He gets severe injuries. And they had been fighting for two hours, an intense firefight. That movie doesn't even give a glimpse into what actually really happened. And um, as Ryan got injured, you know, in the movie, they show Christo and it was actually Mark that then stood up in the line of fire right where Ryan had just got shot. The other two knee, uh, seals dropped to their knees to help Ryan. Mark could have done that very same thing, but his choice was to stand up in the direct line of fire. He carried the big gun, the 50 cal, anywhere from 150 to 180 pounds in addition to his own weight and 115 to 120 degrees temperature for two hours. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's that hot and you are doing an intense workout. The intense yes. Workout. Yes. And um, his hope, he knew he had the big gun. He knew he could lay down some suppressive fire. His hope was that they could get the medic up to the roof because they knew that there was no chance. And the medic got up there and he took one look at Ryan and said, if we don't get him out of here immediately, there is no chance. Yeah. And so a second time again, Mark made that choice to stand up into the direct line of fire, hoping to provide that cover so they could move Ryan off the roof. And they did. They all successfully got down off of there. And they went back to the base, which I'm proud to tell you was named Camp Markley in his memory. And I mentioned I got to visit there uh, in 2007. I brought back some of the soil from that base. I got to see where he slept, where he walked. And um, as they got back to the base, the chief came in and said, we just found 30 of the insurgents that just attacked us. And without hesitation, Mark looked at his chief and he said, roger that, let's go get him. So they climbed in their Bradleys and they headed back to that godforsaken place. They cleared several houses and they went in the last house they would be in, that Mark would be in, cleared the bottom of the house and headed up the steps when they heard Mark yell, on me. And what he was saying was, I've got the lead on this. You guys follow me. And as they went up those steps, they drew fire through a window. Mark could have dropped to his knees, he could have slung to the side, but his choice was to stand in the line of fire to provide cover for his teammates to save them. He willingly gave his life to save the life of his teammates. And I think of his final words, on me. And as we came into COVID about a year ago, I was trying to figure out how we were gonna continue as a nonprofit, how I was gonna be able to get to our veterans who are struggling and hurling because now I can't travel to get to them. And I thought of those words and we started a podcast that was called On Me 20. And I was like, okay, I'll follow Mark's example. I'll say, on me. Okay, guys, follow me. We are not gonna sit and have a pity party in the midst of this. We're not gonna focus on those things that we can't control. We're gonna stay focused on we, what we can control. We can't control COVID. We can't control the jobs that have been lost. We can't control the businesses but we can control 
our response. We can control our plans for the future. I couldn't control. We lost $375,000 just in fundraising events that we had to cancel. And so as we started this process, my hope was that others would say on me, okay, in my home, you guys follow me. I'm going to take the lead at work, at church, wherever they were at. And I think that's such an important um, term. Obviously, it's a military term, but it's a perfect example of that leadership and who we need to be. And as I said, the most devastating day of my life was August 2nd, 2006. Mm -hmm. And there is no deeper pain than the loss of a child. And I could have curled up in a ball. I could have felt sorry for myself, but that wouldn't have brought Mark back. You know, I, I could have, it would physically have made me sick to be that worried and stressed and nobody's thinking want to be around me. That's not how God wired me. And so my choice was to put on Mark's boots and pick up his weapon and stay in the fight for every man and woman that served, stay in the fight for every other family who's lost a loved one. And Mark's name meant, the meaning of the name Mark is Mighty Warrior. And I don't think that's a coincidence that that's his name. He used to laugh at me because the way I got his name was when I was in the hospital. I mentioned I'm a single mom now, I'm there by myself. Um, I had surgery the day after Mark. And so I'm like, okay, I've got insurance. I've got little kids. That's what they used to ask you. Do you have little kids at home? Uh -huh. um, I'm going to send you home as early. And so I'm like, oh, good. I should be here three or four days before I'm thrown into the world of three little kids by myself. And they came in the day after Mark was born and they said, we need your hospital bed. You need to go home. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, I'm a single mom and I don't have any help at home. And they're like, I'm sorry. We need your bed, but you have to name the baby. I was sure. Mark was twin girls. Mm -hmm. And so when I found out there was only one, I still felt like it was girls. So I only had girl names picked out. But when I had a boy, I'm like, oh, no, I don't have someone to say, well, what do you think about this, honey? What should we name him? And he was born in March. And on my tray table was the menu for me to select my food for the day. And the H was covered up and I saw Mark. And I'm like, oh, I love that name. It's different. Being Debbie, when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader. Ten of us were named. Ten of us were cheerleaders. Five of us were Debbie. Oh, so a name that was unique, but I'm also from that hippie era. You know, they were naming their kids some pretty weird names, and I was like, I don't want them to have a weird name growing up. I just want something a little different. So when I saw Mark, I'm like, that's not how anybody spells Mark. So that's a little different. And uh, like I said, he's laughing, saying, "Great, mom, you got my name off the menu." But I really think that was. God showing me this is who this young man was going to be, and that's his name. But the name of our foundation is not Mighty Warrior. It's America's Mighty Warriors, because it is about every man and woman who served. It's about every other family member who lost a loved one. It's Mark's story. That's my personal story that I share that inspired me. But I love all branches of our military, and it has been my mission to make sure they're taken care of. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. That's full circle is not the right word, but just like that, that is the meaning of his name. And that is what he, what he was while breathing and what he is still now today. He's a mighty warrior and he, you both are just taking on this amazing role. Um, so one of my favorite parts of your story is his letter, which I know you mentioned 
is in the video. Can you tell us about that letter? Yeah, it was pretty crazy because it wasn't the, if you're reading this, I'm gone letter. Right. He had sent it to uh, via email uh, about two and a half weeks before he was killed. There were maybe 12 people that were on that email thread. Mm -hmm. And um, man, you just feel his heart, you know, that was changed while he was over there. And not that he was a totally different person than he was before, but the depth of the beat of his heart was so much stronger and so much powerful. And I homeschool my kids and Mark was not creative writing, was not his forte. <laughs> and so when I got that and read this letter, literally, I mean, this letter has been read by millions and millions of people. And I don't exaggerate those numbers when mm -hmm. I say that. And they have inspired and encouraged. I mean, it's like a literary scholar wrote those. So when I got to the bottom of the email, I'm like, wow, who wrote this? And I looked, I literally scrolled back to the top to make sure I hadn't opened some other email that was from somebody else. And um, it just, it, it it's amazing to, to fill his heart so powerfully in those words that he writes. He talks about horrific things he saw over there, but he talks about the amazing country that we live in, the responsibility that we have to keep it that way. He shares, when was the last time you paid for a random stranger's cup of coffee or meal or tank of gas? This is one of the toughest warriors we have in America who willingly gave his life for his teammates. And he ends this letter with, to my family and friends, do me a favor, pass on the kindness, the love, the precious gift of human life. And there's such a contrast in you know both sides of who Mark was, you know the warrior and the compassionate man, and I see that so often in so many of our Navy SEALs. Um, you know, people sometimes I think they're portrayed as these you know knuckle draggers. You know, you know, you look at if you guys know Jocko, you look at Jocko's face, and you're like, yet I've cried more tears on Mark's grave with Jocko than even some of my own family members. Yeah. And um, they have huge hearts that carry this loss you know, as well. And I'll tell you what, it is just, I always tell people Mark's final gift to me was his teammates. And Mark was my kid who loved to give gifts. And he wouldn't just go hunt for a gift, gift and bag it and tag it, and get out of there. He would literally spend hours looking for just that perfect gift. And um, he couldn't wait though to give it to me. And so he always wanted me to open it immediately. And I remember him coming home one Christmas, he bought um, some gold flatware, not solid gold, but golden color. And uh, he's like, oh, mom, this is so cool. I can't wait for you to see it. And I'm like, well, put it under the Christmas tree. And he's like, no, no, you got to open it. You got to open it. I'm like, Mark, if you don't put it under the tree, I won't have anything to open Christmas morning. And so all of a sudden I look over and he's ripping the package off and he's opened it up for me to see. And I said, that's what he intended with his teammates. He wanted me to open it up and get to know them and understand them. And I started to do that while they were still deployed and would send emails and we would have phone calls back and forth when they could. And they sent me a team picture. And of course they all go by co code names, you know, right. Dauber and Bagels. I'm like, okay, who, who, who's who? And what's their real name? And, When's their birthday? You know, and I started doing those things that a mom would do, you know, and I was very concerned for them. I knew that I had no brain that would function. I couldn't make any decisions in the midst of my grief. 
And thank goodness I didn't have any major thing that even if I didn't make a decision for a month would matter. But I was concerned for them. They were still in combat. They did have life and death decisions they had to make. And uh, even that first night, you know, when I got the first call from uh, one of the boys over there, and my concern as they share the story back was for them. And I want to know, are you okay? How can I support you? What can I do for you? And they're like, are you kidding me here? We're, you know, this is Mark's mom and we think we're calling to support her. Um, also had a letter from President Bush like that, that, um, you know, he had, was, had read to my member of Congress and um, President Bush told my member of Congress, he goes, I was supposed to be the comforter in chief and she was comforting me. And that's just how God wired me is to be able to do that. And in the midst of our pain, we can relate so well to others who've gone through loss or going through loss and, you know, say, yeah, what you're going through is normal. It's okay. You're not alone. Uh, give them the hope to know that they will survive as deep as that pain is and that they will make it through. But um, as we started America's Mighty Warriors, the first program that I did was our random acts of kindness that Mark talked about in the letter. And for me, um, before I even officially had the foundation, I was doing those. If I saw a veteran, I'd go up and, you know, real quick say, hey, I'm going to pay for your coffee or your meal or yeah. tank of gas. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. Thank you. I'm like, no, no, no. My son was the first Navy SEAL that was killed in Iraq and he challenged me to do this. So, and then they're like, oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then we started doing retreats for Gold Star families. Uh, we have two homes, one the Heroes Hope Home and Serenity Hope Home. One's in Arizona, one in Florida, where Gold Star families can come stay for free. And we just love on them, let them know we'll never forget their hero and we won't forget them. Um, we do a lot with our veterans that are struggling with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, We're paying for hyperbaric oxygen therapy, hormone and vitamin therapy. So natural things that are healing their bodies. So many of the therapies that are out there right now that our veterans are trying, are just masking the symptoms. They go to the VA, they're filled with all these prescription drugs. Two thirds of them have a side effect that say may cause suicidal tendency. And we wonder why our suicide rate is so high amongst our veterans. Uh, we do a lot of advocacy. So if there's an injustice, we'll try to step in and make that right whether it's our government, a corporation, you know, whatever, when they're serving, they can't speak out. They don't have a voice, but yeah. we can be that voice for them. And there probably isn't anything I wouldn't do, you know, for our men and women who are willing to give their life for me and for my freedoms. And so um, any day that I can be supporting them or the Gold Star families, man, that is a great day. Yeah, you're amazing. I hope you get told that often enough but what you guys are doing really is, is amazing. And I love that it just, again, like Mark wasn't just somebody who was fighting for our freedom, but he gave us such a simple, but truly powerful message to like, just give them the gift of kindness. Like that is something that we can always give. We all have, you know, whether mm you are rich or poor or even um, even pre preparing for um, the, the, or this interview, sorry. Um, I, as, as listeners know, I've been dealing with the loss of our son, James, and I just can't do as much. But all throughout this week, I've been thinking like, okay, but I still can give kindness. I can't 
you know, I can't go make a whole bunch of meals for people. I can't do a lot of stuff, but I can still be like as kind as I can to my kids and send love love and something love that we all can do that. We really all can. And I I love that you did you jumped into doing it right away. <laughs> like challenge challenge accepted. Yeah. And it was literally seven weeks after Mark died that we lost Mike Montour, who was on Mark's sister platoon, Delta platoon. So Charlie platoon was Mark's platoon, Delta was Mikey. So they make up task unit bruiser. And um, he fell on a grenade to save his teammates. And I knew I needed to be there for that mom. I didn't know what I was going to do or what I was going to say, but we didn't have anybody... Um, Mark's teammates were all deployed. That was my support group. We did have people in the community that were there, you know, in between when we were notified and the funeral, but then everybody goes back to their normal life. And um, we didn't have another gold star mom to walk alongside me and say, you know, hey, you know, that's okay. Yeah, that's normal. No, you're not going cuckoo crazy. That's part of grief. And I just knew I needed to be there for her. I was only a few steps ahead in the grief process but I, I had made it that far and I wanted to give her that hope. And when I got there, of course, they're staying at the same hotel we stayed at for Mark's funeral. The same vehicles come to pick up their family. Um, and so it brought, brought back so many fresh memories. And the Admiral came up to me and he said, um, we want you to go with the family in the vehicle. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not about me. This is not about Mark. I am here to support this family. He goes, exactly. That's why we want you to go with them. I was like, oh, okay. And of course, when we pulled up the cemetery, same cemetery Mark's buried, the service is at the same place. Mikey is in the very same casket Mark was in. And I'm just like, and the, seeing that flag draped casket just ripped my heart back open again. Yeah. But now I knew what it was like to receive that folded flag. I knew I was still alive as much as my heart at times, not just emotionally hurt, it physically hurt. My heart physically hurt. Um, but I was still alive. I had still made it that far. And um, I think that's one of the things in the midst of grief. Lots of times people ask, what do we do? What do we say? What do I don't say? I don't want to mess up. Just be there. Just go be there with them and support them. You don't have to say anything. You know, if they want to, that person will talk with you. Give them a hug. Tell people, bake a loaf of bread and take something to them. Just be there. And um, I think that's what that communicated to that family. She had actually been at Mark's funeral. I hadn't maybe had met her, but don't remember. There's a lot you don't remember from those those days, your brain, I think, protects you. So you don't remember that. And then, the, you know, as you get further from that date, the numbness starts to wear off and the reality sets in. And sometimes you feel like that's harder than it was in the beginning. But, um, you know, we're coming up August 2nd, it'll be 15 years. And I survived. And I'm not just survived. You know, I feel like when I hear that, I survived. It's that old picture of the cat on the wire with their chin just barely hanging on to that wire. And you don't have to be just a survivor. You can thrive in the midst of that. And we do that with our will. 
not with our feelings, because we sure as heck don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But with our will, we can say, I am going to get up this morning and I'm going to find one thing that I'm grateful for. I am going to go for a walk around the block today. I'll tell you what, in the beginning, I don't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go for a walk anywhere. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just want to lay there and cry. But it's like, no, 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 no. You get up and you go. And being grateful when you start out that day, you know, and I've had family say, I've got nothing to be grateful for. And you feel that way. You're in such a dark cloud. You really do feel that way. But you can say, you know, I told them a lot of our troops don't have hot water in a shower this morning. Did you have hot water in your shower? Yep. Okay. Just say, thank you for the hot water in my shower. Start there. Yeah. As you do those things, then you start to find later in the day, you find something else to be thankful for and something else little to be thankful for. And first you're just walking, you know, to the end of your street and then you're walking around the block and then you're like, okay, wow, I've walked two blocks. Okay, now I've walked a mile. And those produce those endorphins that make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get to a place where I always tell people, serve somebody else. Do something for somebody else. Like you said, the kindness. doesn't mean you got to bake a meal if you can. Great. But it doesn't need to be that. You could, you know, walking into the store, look at somebody and smile and say, how are you today? You know, and it's just those little things in life that start to make the difference. And as you go through that healing process, then you find, you know, instead of so much remembering the losses and what you're missing, you remember, you know, the things that you're grateful for in those times that you did have with them. And um, I still miss Mark every day. Not a day goes by that I don't miss him. But I see the difference that young man is continuing to make around the world in such a crazy way. That would not have happened if he'd have still been here. But um, I do know where that young man is. He was redeployed to heaven and I will see him again one day. But until then, I think I got my marching orders and until you know, God calls me home, I don't, somebody asked me, so what's your exit strategy? I'm like, I don't have an exit strategy for America's Mighty Warriors. I love what I do. You know, it really is such a blessing to see the impact and the lives that continue to be changed. And um, I am a blessed woman. Yeah. You're continually blessed. Like, I love everything that you said because... I mean, obviously that is applicable very, very deeply in a very real way to my situation, but I also feel like it's been applicable had we not lost James and it was, and, and the only thing that we were dealing with right now was the military life and everything that that throws out. And it's like every deployment, those same, those same steps, to do more than just survive and to thrive yeah. are applicable because, so you know, some days that is how it just needs to start of just let's give yourself a fighting chance to mm-hmm. thrive, not just succumb to this is something I'm going to barely get through, but like you said, like that will and decide, you know, you don't have to run a marathon, but just right. Walk walk the block yeah it does make such a difference and that that fits like you said not just for loss for grief it fits if you're you know having struggles in your marriage if you're having financial struggles Mm -hmm. you know having health issues whatever you're dealing with if we just have that attitude and you know 
be grateful for the days that we do have focus on what you have, not what's missing, not the loss. And, you know, as Mark said, pass on the kindness, the love, the precious gift of, of human life. Our world would be so crazy different right now if we all did that. I'm not saying everybody has to think the same or act the same. Yeah. Well, I guess I am saying act the same because if we all did the love and the kindness, but yeah. we don't have to be on the same side politically. We don't all have to look just the same, but we could do that simple thing. And oh my Lord, our world would be a different place. Yeah, it really would. And just imagine like how different, how different would your family be if you made that the center? How different would your neighborhood be if, yeah. if you just, you know, made that your model, like it's contagious and it, people just can't help but join along. Like you can't get cookies from a neighbor and loving notes without either passing it back or, or to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So is that your key to thriving? I feel like you kind of answered the question already. Yeah, I think that is. It's, you know, it's a choice with your will. When your feelings don't feel that way, your feelings will follow along. Um, obviously, I'm a believer, so God gives me the strength to do what I do each and every day. Um, I wouldn't be here without him. But that's part of that will that he's given me. And, you know, why? Why would we want to sit back and feel sorry for yourself all the time? You know, I, I know there are people that, and I'm not saying that pain's not there because the pain's real. Mm -hmm. But you can choose what you do with that. Why would you want to just sit around and feel sorry for yourself all the time? You know, it just you you've got and and you've got to go through the grieving process. You can't ignore it. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying I woke up and said, "Oh, I'm just gonna do this and I'm gonna be fine and I don't hurt anymore," because you yeah, don't yeah. get to the healthier side of grief unless you go through the process. You can't mm -hmm. avoid it. You can't go around it, over it, under it. You gotta go right straight through it. Yeah. But I think that's what then I did hit that head on and went right straight through it because there's different types of grief, different timing of grief. There, You can't look at one person. I've read books before and part of this, I read a lot when my husband died 26 years ago, but um, there was like, there's seven stages of grief. Yeah, I don't know who wrote that book, but I don't think they went through grief because not everybody goes through seven stages. There's not a pattern that you go through this one first and that one. It's unique to each individual, but you've got to go through it to get to that healthier side. Um, a lot of people do get stuck in certain stages of the grief and that's not healthy. So yes, in the beginning, you're going to have more of those. I cried all day long, but that's not appropriate for me 15 years later. But that doesn't mean my heart doesn't hurt. And there are times that I don't cry, but I have a plan when that happens. It's like the, you know, I, I use the example of the pressure cooker, but I think now we're getting enough young kids that I speak to that I'm like, do you know what a pressure cooker is? <laughs> but it was this big pot that had this little thing that went on top. And when the pressure needed to be released, it spewed out of there and it made this whistling sound. And yeah. I said, that's the way grief is. If you don't let it release it, that pot's going to blow up. And so mm -hmm. you, you know, you have to do those things that release it. Tears are part of that healing process. So when you feel like crying, cry. But for me at 15 years, it should better be a shorter time of a cry. And then I have a plan that I get up and go do random acts of kindness. 
in Mark's memory. Man, that always makes me feel better when I'm yeah. doing that. So thanks, Mark, for giving me that way to be able to cope better. But, you know, that may not work for someone else. So you have to have that strategy and that plan just like you would for anything else in life. Yeah. When those times happen, how long am I going to allow myself to cry? You know, we get close to Mark's anniversary and there's lots of pictures that pop up and I just want to go back through old pictures. I think, oh, how much I miss him. And that's like, OK, you got 15 minutes. To look at pictures. Then you're done. You're not going to sit here all day long and look at pictures and make your heart sad. Um, again, as I said, in the healing process, I've probably gotten to the point now where it's joyful memories. I look at it, and, you know, chuckle about, oh, yeah, remember when he's doing this or when this happened. But um, you've got to have that strategy for grief, just like you would anything else in life. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, I know most of the listeners, I think, I think we all at some point go through a grief process. Hopefully very few of us lose a son. Yes. But we all, we all have to process really big life things. Mm -hmm. Like this can be completely consuming. Like for some people that is a deployment for some people that is, you know, um, a move for some people that is just making new friends. Like they're so, or, you know, even non-military related things, but you're dealing with them away from family, like mm -hmm. that your family is your big thing. Like we all right. deal with really big things and yet the steps and the need to process but just have that will and decide that like are you gonna sit here and feel sorry for yourself or are you gonna move forward with the pain like right. I don't think there's leaving the pain behind but are you gonna move forward with it yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's so good I love that message I love that message that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I, yeah. My like, what's the word? Cogs are turning. That's yes. Yes. Yeah. I've just, we all go through it just different degrees at different times. Yeah. 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 And sometimes the loss is just the loss of a vision. You know, what you thought was going to be. Yeah. You know? how long you thought you were going to be here before you deployed again. You know, um, you thought you were going to stay in for 20 and now you're getting out, you yeah. know, the transition, you know, when yeah. our men and women get out of the military, their families have to make that transition, you know, especially if they're, you know, doing retirement and they've been in 20 years and they don't know anything else, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a whole other adjustment. It's a loss of that career that you had, even though that may be your choice to get out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many things that we're faced with in life that we can't control, but we do control how we respond to those. And just as I said, I had no control. The news that was given to me on August 2nd, 2006, I did have a choice how I responded. So, and we all have that same choice, no matter what our circumstances are, you know, how, how we respond to that. Yeah. So, so real fast. Or, well, I mean, not real fast, but can you, I know you've told us what America's Mighty Warrior um, does and all the amazing things that you do. Is there a way that listeners can help or participate? Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Yeah, um, we always need um, good volunteers. You know, wh whatever, you know, you have a skill or talent, we probably can use it. You know, whether it's planning a bake sale, the planning a gala, whether it's, you know, doing graphics, doing, you know, web design, any of those things. Right now, 97% of what comes into America's Mighty Warriors goes back to our troops, that's veterans right. and Gold Star families. And that's that's huge to have only 3% go into the admin cost. But we can yeah. do that because we do have amazing volunteers. So we don't pay professional fundraisers to organize our events. Mm -hmm. You know, We um, have our services, our lawyers, you know, fees are donated. So we don't have to pay for those things. So we really do rely on our um, you know, supporters to step up and, you know, volunteer whatever talent or skill they have. And maybe it's just once a year you do something. Just because you sign up to be a volunteer doesn't mean it's every week that you've got to do that. Yeah. If you're here locally and can come help in the office, you know, great. If you can, you know, help us pack the, you know, care packages we send to our troops or the ornaments we send to our Gold Star families at Christmas, awesome. We could use you here in the office. We always need people that help promote us. You know, I don't care who you are. You don't have to be in advertising yeah, to help yeah. promote us. You know, one voice can tell one other person, hey, I heard the story of this lady. Her son was the first seal killed in Iraq. They're doing amazing things. She needs your help. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a program that you sign up to give 21 and 21. It's a recurring basis of $21 in the year 2021. If we can find 2,021 people to do that, that's more than half of our budget. Wow. And that's just given $21 a month on a recurring basis. So, you know, you sign up to do that and you find just one other person to help. You know, mm -hmm. you're a force multiplier right there. Yeah. You know, maybe you can't give $21 a month. We've got one little elderly man who gives $5 a month and has for years. And we oh, appreciate wow. that $5 a month. And I just somehow sense that that's probably all he has for, you know, much spending money. And yeah. he's chose to give it to America's Mighty Warriors to help our mission. Obviously, we need those corporate donors that can come in on the larger amounts. You know, we've got a store. You can go to our store and check out our merchandise. All the books on there tell Mark's amazing story. Uh, I'm a contributing author in four of them. The rest of them are written by Mark's teammates that were with him. Jocko, Lee, Leif, Kevin Lace, um, Chris Kyle. You know, amazing stories that are in there. We've got our merchandise. You can help promote us by, you know, purchasing the merchandise. And we're not only just that help financially, but, you know, hopefully like the shirt I've got on, somebody, whoops. That's <laughs> <This nice. time. laughs> um, you know, they see it and it's like, so who's America's Mighty Warriors? Tell me about that. You know, it's got Mark's dog tags on there. Someone may say, who's Mark Lee? You know, and you've got that opportunity just very simply to share in passing, you know, who we are and what we're about. because. Um, your family, all of those who served, all those Gold Star families, you know, you guys have sacrificed and given so much for the freedoms we enjoy every day. And it is our responsibility to make sure we give back to you, that you're taken care of, um, that, you know, your families are taken care of as well. And I just wish the majority of America understood the uh, sacrifice, the depth of that sacrifice that is given. For those freedoms that we do enjoy every day i think they would respect them at a whole different level if they did understand yeah when you understand the class is something you appreciate the gift a mm -hmm. lot more yes ma'am that's so good so good yeah so if somebody does want to help or contribute 
all that kind of stuff, where is the best place for them to go? Go to our website at americasmightywarriors.org. So that's um, S on the end of America and Warriors. So A-M-E-R-I-C-A-S-M-I-G-H-T-Y-W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's, I know you said like you don't cry every time, but I know like it's there. Like it's not, you could stay to yourself with your story, but instead you do like even just the advice of saying his name and telling his story on a daily basis um, is a sacrifice that I, I just want to acknowledge and say that I appreciate because I like I I I know people who have been to your gold star. Um, I was gonna say resort retreats. Yeah, retreats. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I know how much that has meant to me, and I yeah. know how how many people you help on the veteran and the troop side, and it's. And, and that all comes from you walking through your pain, mm. just staying to yourself. So thank you. And thank you for also teaching us, you know, how to, how to thrive. Because if anybody can have some good advice for tackling a hard thing, it's with a grieving mother. So I appreciate you so, so much. You. And we are keeping you in our prayers. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's just hard. But just taking, taking one day at a time. And like you said, like just every day waking up and walking a block and then I added another mile to my bike ride today. And that Good was, for you. Good for you. Took out so much energy, but it, yeah, there's progress. Yes, right. Eventually. Good for you. So, waiting warriors, go check out the mighty or America's mighty warrior. Um, it really is a wonderful cause. I know, like, I know sometimes the military community is a like slightly disconnected to the gold star community, but it and the veterans were a little more connected with, but. But they really do amazing work, and I know that every listener could help. Even even like Debbie said, if you have a skill, you could donate it one time, volunteer one time, and I know how many listeners there are out there. You guys could move mountains if you all even just contributed an hour. Yeah. So go check that out. And again, Debbie, thank you so, so much. And remember, guys, just because it is hard does not mean it has to be miserable. Thanks again, Debbie. Amen. Have a great day. You too. If you love Red Friday, remember everyone deployed, but are like me and not totally loving everything you're seeing online or at the PX, I would love for you to check out my Red Friday design. You can see them quickly. There's a link in my bio that just says Red Friday t-shirts. There's a shop button on the website, thewaitingwarriors.com, or there's a quick link in the show notes. There are shapes and sizes and styles for everyone from father-in-law to the dog. 
Enjoy. Enjoy.